we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Our love is what we make of it. Sex for smart people. That means you. Oh, oh hi. hi. Happy New Year. Happy 2014. It is 2014. How did that happen? Oh my god. Oh my god. Time moves inexorably forward. The only thing constant is change, etc., etc. Indeed, indeed. Um, on this episode, we are so thrilled to be joined by the fabulous Twana Hines. Um, funky she, Brown Chick. Yeah, yeah. funkybrownchick.com is her blog and website. She's amazing. She's a, an award-winning educator, sex advisor, columnist, TV and radio commentator. She's focused on the sociology of sexuality and its relationship to culture and internet technology. Um, she's so wise. Did you mention yet so that she's hilarious. fucking awesome? Oh, she's fucking awesome. I think yeah. I think I alluded to that, but let's say again, she's fucking awesome. Okay. This is this is this yeah, is yeah. a good one, guys. There's a lot, lot yeah, of fun. There's it, a lot of fun in this one. Be prepared. I think I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, there, there's there's some role play. Indeed. There's some discussion of of uh, menstruating. You guys, this is a good one. You're gonna love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we dive in, um, we're gonna do something just a little bit different. We're going to just check in about the state of the podcast. We're going to read our mission statement, which is something we want to make a habit of doing. Um, And then we'll interview Twana, address some of your questions as usual, and do our quickies section. Yeah, I mean, I know there are those those out there who think that, um, who are strict constructionists when it comes to our mission statement and think that it's not a living document and that we got it right the first time and that we shouldn't ever address it again. But I just want to say that Stephanie and I disagree and we think that this is a living document. We want to check in with it from time to time to yeah. um, make sure that, we, that we're that uh, we keeping on top of things, yeah, as, we, as it were. <laughs> we would love for it to keep evolving in conversation with you. And please do you know let us know what you think and how you think we're doing. We want to keep getting better at this and keep learning from you. Yeah. Totally. So, well, okay, so our mission statement um, begins with, uh, here is what we believe. Sex and sexuality are related to hope and vitality and should be celebrated and talked about without shame. Yay! And then, uh, it's not all about the sex, but sex is important. Trust and communication and authenticity are the most important things. Knowing how to make meaningful relationships is not instinctual or inherited, but takes work. Just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it was a failure. Queering is beautiful, valuable, and necessary. Challenge the status quo, but don't rule it out. Relationships are strongest when they are crafted and defined by the people in them. (laughs) And you should should talk to each other about things. things. (laughs) We we say we know on the internet, all caps is shouting, and we are shouting this. Uh, This is vital even and especially when it's hard or fraught or complicated. That above all, there is no one right way to be other than considered and considerate. Uh-huh. So that does... There it is. That's our mission statement. That does still feel pretty good to me. Um, but I do want it to keep evolving. And I've just been thinking a lot about this and how just glad and grateful I am that we are doing this and why I feel like it's important to do, especially around the holidays. Just, I know anybody... Um, having an identity or making choices that is, does not necessarily fall in line with the choices that are most dominant in the world around love and sex and family. 
um, holidays can be a bit rough. And um, my my awesome sister was emphasizing to me how just any of us that define as queer just need to continue to be super allies to each other during the holidays. And I really appreciate that. And another friend of mine just uh, posted, no one should be alone or hungry tonight. Come on over if, if you need. And I just, I love seeing the ways that, that chosen families can be uh, be there for each other uh, in this time, in addition to families of origin, which actually families of origin is a thing that I want to just put over these particular airwaves. Um, another very wise friend of mine just dropped that in casual conversation. Yeah, I spent the day with my family of origin and I had to ask him to clarify that, but um, he means that as just distinguishing family of origin versus family of choice. And um, it kind of elevates chosen family in a way that I love without diminishing the importance and relevance of family of origin. I really, really love my family of origin too. Um, But I think that it would be cool if we all uh, acknowledged family of origin and family of choice. Uh, you know, I hadn't, I, heard, I hadn't heard family of origin and I think that's a, I, I totally dig that. Um, there's social pressure on us to define families solely as either, um, who gave birth to and raised us and uh-huh. the other people they gave birth to and or raised, um, or, you know, your, your one partner, if you have one. And the people that you have birth that have given birth to and or are raising, uh-huh. um, and that the definition of family ought to be much broader than that, I uh-huh. think. Um, and that, and I think starting to talk about chosen families is really beautiful. Um, I'm yeah, totally into that idea. I agree. Thank you. Our love is what we make of it, indeed. And I was just so glad to be. Th- there should be a song about yeah, that. Sh- hmm. I think I've heard one somewhere. Okay. Cool. So, uh, it's it's all right. It's all right. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was just so glad that we're, we're doing this, that this, that talking about doing this was a part of my holiday as well. And just, I can't, uh, I can't step away from, yes, I'm, I'm having a voice in this conversation and I am being open about it. Yeah. I'm super excited about this podcast. Um, you pointed out to me after we recorded the Twana episode that after literally every podcast we've recorded, I've come out and said, okay, that was by far my favorite one. And <laughs> I, I mean it every single time. And I do mean it. About you this do one. I think say this it every time as, as if it's as if, yeah. And, and I know you do well, mean Well, I think it. that that means a few things. I think that we are getting better and better at our job. Um, uh, I also, so, you know, uh, there's, there's a learning curve and I think we're, we're on the upswing here. I think we're doing okay. But also, um, Every time we do this, I'm reminded anew of why I'm so excited about what we're doing, why I'm so excited about holding a place to have these conversations with you and with other smart people and with, uh, and with all the people who are listening who are either writing in or calling in. Just um, having, having a, a place for this in my life has been really awesome, and mm. I feel like we're doing a good job, and I want to know from people if they think we're not. Yes, Or if absolutely. they think there's something we can shape up on, or if they just say, like, rah, rah, keep on going. Um, that sort of feedback is invaluable, and so I'm hoping that in this Gregorian year 2014 that um, you'll let us know where Please. we're going right and yes. where we're going wrong. 
Please be in touch. And I know we just want to check in about one more thing um, to just touch base about. Dave wrote this post early on about what we mean by smart and why we chose oh, yeah. the title that we did. Um, just as a reminder, like we are not superhumans. We do not know way more than you. Um, Dave, would you talk a little about that? Yeah, totally. It's um, So we are using smart as an um, easy, if broad, shorthand for being better informed and more thoughtful. And we have thought about this a lot and read about this a lot. Um, but any, uh, but uh, I mean, with with great exceptions for for privilege in the world and access to knowledge and opportunity and whatnot, this is something that more people can be smart about. Um, and we recognize that, like, we're holding a podcast on the internet to talk about sex and sexuality. That this is a sign of immense privilege, but that we have um, the time and space to to get to do this is, is yeah, an totally. immense privilege. But and we given, better use it well. <laughs> yeah, given that time and space that we that you know as as we lean away from shoulds, that I still think that being informed and thoughtful about um, life choices, if you have the capability and and time and resources and energy and opportunity to do so, is um is a better choice than defaulting. Mm-hmm. I, can I read that one thing that you wrote at the end of the post? Yeah, totally. I love that you put, so yeah, we could have titled the podcast Sex and Sexuality and Relationship Models for People Who Are Lucky Enough Through Birth and Circumstance to Have the Free and Expendable Time and Emotional, and emotional Energy to Consider Alternatives to the Widely Accepted Social Idea that Relationships Are Something You Just Fall Into and Know How to Conduct Without Ever Thinking About. <laughs> but I think you'll agree that our title will slightly better off the tongue. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I am, after all, a professional up. writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, smart. That's what we mean by smart. We just yeah. mean um, um, con- 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 considered and thoughtful. And it's not meant to... Um, yeah, We. I just want to be clear as we go forward that we recognize our privilege in even being able to talk about this, and especially in this medium. Yeah. Um, but... If you have the capability and time, let's all get smart together, yo. Absolutely. And thank you so much for everybody who's been in touch already with questions and thoughts and feedback. Uh, Please keep being in touch. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. Um, You know we have a phone number. We do. Do you have that up? Should we read that on the air? We've never read it on the air. Yeah, let's do it. It's 662-626-SFSP. Once again, that's six six two six two six SFSP. Because people have have written in, but no one has called in yet. Maybe you will be the first. We do have the capability to share uh, messages that people leave us on the air. So maybe magic. Yeah, it's basically magic. <laughs> um, shall we delve into Twana? Yeah, let's Twana do it. interview. Let's do it. Happy New Year, everybody. Hello and welcome to Sex for Smart People. I'm Stephanie and my preferred pronouns are she or they. I'm Dave and I go by he. I'm Twana and I go like, yum. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me she or Twana, doesn't matter. Funky brown chick, all the same. Awesome. (laughs) Twana, I'm so excited uh, that you're here with us today. I'm glad to be here. Yay! Um, We always dive in with the question, what is your relationship to relationships? Ooh, I write about relationships for a living. I write about them, I talk about them, I go on college campuses and speak about them. If it's about relationships, I'm all about it. So um, I'm a sex columnist currently with Metro Newspapers in New York, Philadelphia, 
and in Boston. I've had sex columns in the past too. This is my current one. Loving it. Um, and I talk about relationships, not just boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but how are we relating to the people around us? Like, when's the last time you told one of your friends that you loved them? You know, what's your relationship with your family? So that's what I write about. Cool. What's your story of how that evolved for you? Yeah, it started when I uh, moved to New York City in 2005 and had an anonymous blog at that time called Funky Brown Chick, Truth in Advertising. And so, <laughs> yeah, and so I was writing about uh, just my dates in New York and how it was different from anywhere else that I'd ever lived. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And uh, Nerve Magazine offered me a sex column. It was my first paid sex column, actually. Um, based on the blog. And I was like, you're going to pay me to write this stuff? I'm doing it for free. That's awesome. Um, and so that was my first paid. I'd been writing since I was a little girl. I had, a, and I still have my uh, bound journals that I'd written about, about the boys that I had crushes on, mm -hmm. and uh, just kind of like how I viewed life, problems with my family, all kinds of things that I'd been writing about mm -hmm. forever. And then I did my degrees in sociology, and it wasn't until I got to New York and had nerve give a chance to a girl who hadn't been paid yet um, to write. And so I will always be thankful for them, and it kind of spiraled out from there. I started writing for uh, Lifetime Television for Women for the website, for Fast Company Magazine. I did a piece for them. I did a piece for New York Press, and it just kind of went from there. And then I started working in publishing after that. I worked... Um, I worked at Newsweek. I worked at Mensuedo Ventures that owns Ink and Fast Company magazines. I did contract work for BBC Worldwide. So I've been a paid writer um, for almost eight years now, eight, nine years. That's huge. I'm such a fan of your writing. And Thank of you. Brown chick. And um, what currently are you most fascinated by, especially in your sex columnist work? What's Ooh, sparking you the most About these the days? field itself or about a topic? Any of the above. Oh, I'll do both. Because I'm greedy that way. Great. I'm greedy a little bit. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> about the field itself, I will say it's been exciting to see a more diverse um, gathering of voices. Um, speaking about sexuality, everything from people, um, Buck Angel doing porn um, as a trans man and talking about what's it like to be the man with a vagina and what does it mean to uh, go for a gynecological visit and have the people, he was living in Mexico at the time, um, wonder why would a man have a vagina and just kind of like talking about what is trans. Mm -hmm. mean, you know, when we talk about sex and gender and things like that. So I love a lot of Buck's work. Mm -hmm. um, Janet Mock is also a trans woman, but doesn't write specifically about relationships, but just being who she is as a person, I think is wonderful to have, you know, there. I'm Dan Savage, actually, you know, a fan of his work. He writes about all kinds of things, which is good, too. So a fan of a lot of just different voices out there. So that's, for me, has been exciting to see, um, a variety of people. Lena Chen. I mean, I could go on forever writing oh, everybody yeah. who's like, yeah. But uh, so I would say the diversity of voices, the multiplicity of voices is really exciting for me in the field because not everyone knows everything about any topic. Mm -hmm. And then we all have different takes that we bring on it. So I'm excited. Except to for Twana. Twana. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's great to like see that, I'd say. And then topic wise, what's the most interesting thing? There's so much. There's not one. I can't name one. Okay. I love writing about it all. It involves like sex. I'm all about it. What's the, what's the question or questions you get most frequently? I would honestly say that every question I get asked 
can almost always be boiled down to, is there something wrong with me or my partner? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be one of us. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. You know, like, oh, you know, my partner wants to have sex this often. I want to have it that often. You know, are they oversex? My undersex. You know, like these kinds of things of like, you know, or, you know, when I masturbate, you know, my lap, well, that's just a question I got at a live event once. Mm-hmm. My leg cramps up all the time. Kind of what am I doing wrong is the underlying thing that my leg would cramp up all mm-hmm. the time. It's like, like any activity, if you're sitting in the same, you know, like if you're working at a nine to five job and sitting in your desk all day, every day, your body's not meant for that. <laughs> like get up and move around a little bit. And if you're masturbating in the exact same position all the time, tensing up your muscles, staying in that same position every mm-hmm. single time, you're probably going to get a cramp at some time. Mm-hmm. So kind of switch it up a little bit, kick that leg out to the right, you know, like <laughs> different stuff that way. So there is nothing wrong with you. And that's not the way they approach my columns. I've never written a sex column. Like someone writes me, you know, dear funky brown chick or dear Twana, you know, I'm broken, confused and whatever. And then I write back, dear broken and confused because they're not. And I am not mm. unbroken and not confused. So it's much more like, how can we get through life, loving each other and ourselves a little bit more? Mm. Need a few tips, a little bit of advice, happy to give it to you. But that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Mm. Yeah, I love that perspective. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, so in general, if the general question is, what's, uh, is there something wrong with me? The general answer is no. Absolutely. Okay. The only time that I would say that there might be something, quote, quote, wrong mm-hmm. with you is if there's something about your daily functioning in your life mm-hmm. that is getting in the way of you enjoying said life mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. talk to a counselor talk to somebody or things like that but generally speaking there's nothing wrong with anyone mm-hmm. okay Can I back up a little bit to sure. just the origin of funky bound chick and blogging about dating that's how did that affect your if this is okay to go like oh you did, can ask me anything yeah. was, before we started this, i just told you i was on my period <laughs> <laughs> Come as you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, Ask um, me anything. <laughs> I'm curious, um, when you're blogging about dating, did that, were you open about that with people that you were going on dates with? Or how, what, what are the ethics around blogging about dating? Oh, that's really good. And, and I say that everybody has that? to make their own decisions. Because mm-hmm. um, at that time, what I was doing is I would go on a date with a dude and it was like, oh, he's a Republican. I haven't dated a Republican before. This ought to be interesting. <laughs> You know, and so I'm going to nickname him the right-winger gunslinger. And so I say, went out with the right-winger gunslinger again last night. Blah, blah, blah. You know? If I had known you were blogging about that date, I wouldn't have said some of the stuff I said. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. And so I would do it, and it was fine. I didn't tell the guys because I felt like I didn't want to feel like I was talking about someone behind their backs. So I would say, hey, you know, this is what I do. I go on dates, and I write about them. Mm-hmm. Not writing about you and writing about my experiences with you. Mm-hmm. You know, later mm-hmm. I realized that that was still about them (laughs) and so a lot of guys were very loath to be involved with me because of that and uh weren't you know fans of it um understandably so i had one guy threatened to start a blog called too much twana and he would chronicle my dates with other dudes and be like oh when she starts doing that she's on her way out be careful it was gonna be all about his reflections on me dating other people i was like that's way too meta (laughs) But yeah, so now I don't write about my dates pretty much at all. Like, um, if I'm in a relationship with someone, if I'm going on a dates, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't write about my personal life so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that because you felt like you like your blog reached peak Twana, or you just decided that it was no longer interesting to people, or something else was more interesting? After you dumped me, I well, stopped writing. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like I, I just think... can't deal with liberals. 
<laughs> but uh, it was just, for me, it was, it was a personal decision. Mm-hmm. And it was a personal decision based on the fact that there are some things that are sacred. And I wanted my love life to be a little bit more sacred. And do you, how would you define sacred in this context? Ooh, something that only me and that person shares and is special to, and unique to just us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I think well, we're soon going to move on to, the, to addressing listener questions. But before then, I'm okay. just hoping, will you plug uh, the, the blogs that you work for? Like, where can we find your writing? Absolutely. If you are interested in finding out more about the person who is saying these words, visit <laughs> funkybrownchick.com. That's true. Funky, like quirky and weird, because I've always been that quirky, weird girl, even when I was in junior high school and earlier. Brown, because that is the color of my skin. And chick with a K, because I like to keep things funky, brown, and chicky.com. <laughs> so anytime I'm on television or radio or writing something or whatever, everything, I'll always link there so you can always find it. And if you happen to live in New York City, Philadelphia, or Boston, I hope that on Thursdays you will pick up my sex column in Metro uh, newspaper, which is the one with the green logo. Cool. And I just, before, we, I want to affirm the way that I encountered you, Twana, which was at the, the Woodhull uh, Summit on Sexual Freedom, and the workshop that Twana was leading was on media literacy for other people to do what you do, and so I just think your spirit is so generous, and that like in your actions, you really manifest your words about wanting to open up space for more yeah. voices. And yeah, I, thank you. I intended you. to say that before, but it was just really hugely, hugely generous that the skills that you've honed, you're also um, very actively... Uh, having an eye toward passing on to others as well. Absolutely. I believe in abundance. I don't believe in like, oh, if I tell you something about how I got ahead, then that means I'm not going to get ahead or Mm -hmm. maybe you'll surpass me. I think that's all bullshit. I really do. Like, I'm not a fan of just kind of like hoarding information. It's just like, you know, give and it comes back to you. I really believe that. So I just kind of like, if you have something that you want to do and that you want to succeed in and a message that you feel like is important to get out, if there's anything that I can say or do to help you, I'm all for that. So How... Is the world going to function if we don't have a scarcity mentality? <laughs> Come on. Quite well, I believe. Better than it currently does. Oh, this is why it would never work. <laughs> Call me. I wear that label proudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pinko comedy yeah, to yeah. you. <laughs> Funky brown chick pinko comedy. <laughs> I'm going to be yes. totally gushing. Quote Great. myself one time. Do it. Line quote from, yourself from the play that I produced this summer. I just wanted to say, love is an endlessly renewable resource, like beauty, or completely unlike oil. Oh, I like this. <laughs> it's good. I like that. Yeah. Okay, we can do the questions thing now. Let's do it. All right. So um, we're so excited to have Twana present for our first ever responding to a crowdsource question, Woo! and now the crowdsource question theme song. Crowdsource question. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I'm glad you, would you like to sing it with us? Okay, sure. <laughs> I sing horribly, but here we go. Okay. question. Yeah! <laughs> so um, we uh, posed a question to our listeners, and we um, are going to read four of the responses that we received. And thank I have you, thank no you clue s- what these are going to be. No. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. And then after we put those voices in the room, um, uh, we all can riff on, on this question as well. So what was that question we asked? That question was, 
Um, I'm a straight man. I want my life to be abundant with romantic possibilities. But I'm also very nervous about approaching women in a romantic way unless it's an internet certified date. I'm extremely nervous about making women feel harassed. What's the line between fun flirting and creating a hostile environment? I think I have a sense of it, but I also know that straight men consistently think they're just being fun and flirty when they're actually making women around them feel uncomfortable. When is it okay to talk to a cute stranger? All right. And response number one. Uh, always. I think it is always okay to talk to a cute stranger. The question is, how do you talk to a cute stranger in a way that does not come off as aggressive, intimidating, or otherwise makes the person feel uncomfortable? So it's not a question of when, but how. I think it helps first to cultivate the habit of being friendly and talking with all strangers, regardless of whether or not you are interested in dating them. When you develop the habit of sharing friendly smiles and chat with strangers, and generally cultivating kindness and curiosity about the people around you, you are more likely to find it natural and easy to approach someone you find cute with the same inviting, non-assuming attitude and demeanor. Of course, you also have to pay attention to the non-verbal cues people display when you approach them. If someone is not interested in chatting or exchanging glances, they will let you know one way or another. Watch for that. And response number two, um, I love this story. Uh, it's, um, I met my husband while waiting for the bus in Chicago. We happened to have a very similar commute and similar schedules, though I later found that he had been adjusting his schedule to mine. Aww. So we consistently ran into each other on our way to work and school in the mornings. He approached me by holding the door for me while we both got off the bus and smiled and started up a friendly conversation. He didn't ask me for my number or ask me out that day, just said hello and chatted with me for, for a bit while we walked a couple blocks in the same direction. The next time I saw him at the bus stop, we both smiled at each other and I walked over to him and we started chatting again. We had time to talk a bit again while riding the bus and while walking to our respective destinations and at the end of our walk this second time, he asked me for my number. I usually don't give my number out to people I meet on the CTA, but because he was so nice and so cute, I couldn't resist. He didn't use any lines or really even flirt, to be honest. He was just really genuine and easy to talk with, and I think that was disarming for me. Um, our third response. Wow, that's a great question. Totally. Thank you. Thanks very much. I didn't write the question, sorry. Um, I mean, for me, as a queer man who looks for dates in generally queer cis male spaces, I always find the flirting culture to be really different, and as a trans man, sometimes really strange. For instance, having been raised a girl, I have really strong feelings that a man coming up and touching or grabbing you is super creepy. But gay men do it all the time and it appears to be okay. That said, it still totally bugs me and I'll go out on a limb and say it's super creepy to express interest in someone by grabbing them, especially if you're bigger than they are. I've always found as a queer gay that many gay men express flirty interest by being kind of snarky or mean or by putting you down, which I will never understand. I guess overall, I think it depends on the context. If you're in a very sexual environment, like a leather bar, I think it's okay to be a little more sexual or overly sexy flirty. But if it's a party or an event, it's probably best to just act like a human with, hey, how's it going? Or something about your shared interests or what's going on, and then take it from there. I think to address the question more specifically, people give off pretty clear signals that they don't want to be talking to you, which is a good indicator that you're crossing into creepy territory. This might just be me taking advantage of being funny and small, but I've actually said to someone, after talking with them for a while, hey, I'd be really into flirting with you right now, would that be okay? <laughs> with people generally being flattered, or at least laughing, or relieved that I just said it outright. Yeah, that's cute. And our last uh, response is, um, I'm a straight single female, mid-30s, and I live in New York City. My feelings on all this have changed significantly over the years. When I was younger, maybe 17, I would pretty much always assume that men were only objectifying me, and I have no tolerance for that, so I'd be pretty rude without giving anybody a chance. As I've gotten older, I've appreciated that things are more complex than that. I feel like I can sense whether a man is respectful of women in general, whether they are talking to me in a flirtatious way or not. 
If someone is not respectful, then I feel like most women, including me, can tell right away. And however attractive a person is, the encounter will feel off-putting. So it's not about how to be non-creepy when talking to a cute stranger, it's about how to be non-creepy in life in general. Even if I'm not feeling attracted to someone, I will tend to appreciate someone talking to me in a respectful way. And if I'm feeling attracted to them, I'll probably feel flattered and maybe flirt back. I'm also at a point of my life, though, where I feel totally comfortable saying, hey, nice to meet you, but I'm really engrossed in reading my book right now, and I'd like to go back to reading it. And maybe not everyone would be as clear about those kinds of boundaries. Um, so okay. thank you, everyone, who yeah. wrote in. Um, the, again, the core parts of this question is, what's the line between fun flirting and creating a hostile environment? When is it okay to start talking to a cute stranger? Um, I really respond to the whole thing about it's it's how you are in in general, not yeah. just how you are when you are maybe wanting to hit on someone. I don't know what. Do yeah, you no, I, I love these questions and I love the responses. That um, your group great. You got a really engaged, interesting group of people there. That's fantastic. We do. Personally, I thought our listeners the, are the sexiest. Woo-hoo, sexy listeners. <laughs> I love this. I'm gonna think of you guys tonight when I dream. Um, so the first thing I thought about was how wonderful this person is self reflective. That the question really started with like. What can I do to make sure that I'm not encroaching on someone else's yeah. kind of social space? Like, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to that person first there. That that's where the conversation yeah. um, started. That it wasn't like pickup arts, pickup artist style. How can I trick her into thinking that I'm not creepy? <laughs> it was about <laughs> how can I kind of back up a little bit and just be like me and not like freak her out. So I think I that's like good. That. How yeah. do I how do I trick people into not realizing that I'm a creep? <laughs> yeah, like so. I like where he's starting. So I want to give our dude a little bit of credit yeah. for starting the conversation there. Um, the other thing is I'm going to dig a little bit deeper and say. I noticed, if I remember correctly, he said something about it's much easier when it's an internet date. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's because the assumption is that they like you, you like mm-hmm. them, and so the possibility of rejection um, is off the table mm-hmm. and the very onset that, you know, you're starting with that mutual interest. Yeah, exactly. and seeing kind of where you go from there. And when you're going with someone you don't know, yeah, there's that part of not wanting to be creepy, but there's also that part of being really honest with ourselves of like, who the hell likes rejection? Nobody. And so it's like kind of managing a lot of different emotions that are going on at the same time. It's mm-hmm. communicating who you are, what you think, what you feel, and that you want this person and stuff like that. And also like there's this self-preservation part too, right? Where it's like, you don't want to do that. And it's like, they'd be open to it, but just not from you. Like they're not interested in you. And so I like that that person's being kind of honest about, you know, where they are. And as far as like tips, pointers, guides, and things like that, um, be when you're being your best you, you attract the people who are attracted to that person Mm. and so like i've had no problems of just being open and honest with someone if i think that they're cute i remember my first boyfriend in chicago years ago before i moved to new york um was this guy who was at a bar and i hadn't met a guy at a bar before so i was just kind of like this is kind of interesting we'll see where this goes uh and i was out with my friends he was out with his friends and he was like looking at me across the bar every now and then you know but then when i'd look he'd kind of look away or whatever and then so I went up to order a drink at the bar, and I noticed he was kind of getting a drink around the same time, not right next to me, like two people over from me. And it was always just kind of like hovering, you know, like around there a little bit, not in a creepy way, but in a like, you know, like, where's my in kind of way, you know, like he's, you know, my turn, when did I get in, you know, and ask a question or talk to her or something. So we're sitting on the couch at the bar, the little loungy thing, and he and his friends were kind of like standing at the end, you know. And so I asked him, I said, 
are you going to, like, talk to me at some point tonight? Or are you just going to hover, like, around me? And he got so nervous, and he's like, I'm really shy. Oh. And I was trying to figure out, you know. And so I was just being me, being like, all right, like, I'm interested. Talk to me. And he was being him, like, trying to figure out how exactly to do it. And then being honest and saying I'm kind of shy, and I didn't know what I was doing. And so we dated for, like, a year and a half, you know. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, he asked me out after that. We went on a date. We went on another date again going forward so it's like i say when you're being just who you are you know oh, that you yeah being the best you exactly is, you attract people yeah. who are attracted to the best you and i found it endearing that he was like i'm shy oh my god he was freaking out it's like how cute like that's on uh -huh. it you know like yeah i also think there's a really i love what the, the last responder said just about like you can tell if someone's generally respectful that seemed to be a theme in all the answers we yeah. got like, yeah and i think that there is such a big difference between sort of like being on the prowl of like looking to pick someone up you know, regardless of the person you're gonna talk to somebody that day which not that that's always bad but i think there's a certain energy that comes off along with that then seeing somebody that you're really feeling drawn toward yeah. um and i think that if it's the the, the latter case then hopefully people would feel comfortable saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm engrossed in reading my book and I'd like to go back to it. Yeah, or, exactly, um, exactly. So I, I, I met one of my closest friends in the entire world in a situation I very much like this. Um, She's one of my closest friends as well. I'm you so are welcome. I'm so thankful that <laughs> was, was brave in this situation. Um, I, I, was on, her to you. I was on an unbelievably crowded subway okay. and uh, I'd gotten on the same time as, as this lady and I knew that we would be friends. I knew it. And yeah. I couldn't figure out a way to talk to her that didn't seem like I was trying to do a creepy subway pickup. Right. So, especially on a crowded... I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. Can't, and, I, and I've heard from all of my female friends that they get creepy subway pickup guy. And I didn't want to be that. But I, and I, I just... I, like, we need to know each other. It was just... Uh, you know, something you're not... You can't know, but I knew it. And so I wrote her a note that just... Because she had smiled at me and I got, as I got on the train. Right. I said, it totally made my day that you smiled at me. Thank you. Also, your bag rules. That's all. Have a beautiful day, Dave. And I gave it to her. And I didn't put my phone number or my email address, my last name, because I'm like, if she, okay, look, it, it was 2008. I'm like, we're living in the future. If she wants to find me, she'll figure she'll it out. She'll find me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I looked at Craigslist that night. Misconnections. Misconnections. <laughs> no! There was a posting that said, Dave who? It said, you have no idea how much your note made my day. I wish you had given me your email address so we could talk. If you, by some chance you see this, tell me what my bag looked like and we'll talk. And I said, oh, it was the revolver cover. And she said, oh my God, who are you? I said, I'm oh, Dave, who are you? No said, I'm Carrie. We hung out. We've now been around the world together at yes, this point. Yes, and, so, and me too. Um, She's, and, that's um, awesome. And so I, I, I don't, uh, what, what, are, what are, okay, because the, that year, my uh, New Year's resolution had been make the more interesting choice. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Ooh, um, you make so, good resolutions. Thank good. you. Look, yeah. Um, the resolution last year was become king of the world, and that one hasn't worked out. <laughs> yet, <but anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see what it is for this, you know, it's, it's January 1st today. Yeah. Okay. This is releasing this on January 1st. Oh, wow. Um, we'll have to figure that out. But yeah, so um, how did that go? Well, it was... Um, uh, it was being a, a aware of the context, which was creepy, crowded subway train, and aware of the even more meta context, which is women being hit on the subway and how annoying that can be. Uh -huh. um, uh, and then uh, being being honest and friendly and hoping for the best. Without without if she if we never found each other, I still would have been happy that I had said it made my day that on this cr right. horrible day you smiled at me. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
so I don't know. Be aware of the context and um, be be to repeat something from the premiere episode. Be genuinely interested in them as a human being, yeah. um, and don't just be genuinely interested in human beings that you would like to make out with. Just nice be, titties, right? mommy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be genuinely interested in. Oh, that's how I start every conversation. With <laughs> that's what she said when I walked in the room. <laughs> Damn, girl, are you on your period? <laughs> they look like Wait, some but... loaded titties. <laughs> oh, man. So, Wait. You, all of this is so... Well, it's just like everybody's responses are so so beautiful and open and totally reflect the world that I would like to see. And I, too, have had encounters with strangers that have been really welcome and, and manifested in a, in a really lovely connection. I met another close friend just like on an airplane. It's from like... Nice. You totally uh, stole my move. I did. It was <laughs> soon after David done this and I was inspired. And um, Steal but, my move. Please steal yeah. my move. But I want to play devil's advocate for a second and be yeah, a little cranky. Totally. Yeah. Because there's so many creepy subway pickup guys and it's really annoying. Yeah. And so I, I agree with all of the positive things that have been put in this space, but like, and it seems like the person who wrote this question is not that creepy subway pickup guy because right. there's a lot of thoughtfulness, but like, what if he is? Or, or what if, like, how, how would, how would creepy subway pickup guy know that they're being creepy? So, so what are the hallmarks of creepy subway pickup guy? Like, um, what, what is done? Is it not picking up on, on signals? Is it not It's listening? not picking up on signals. I feel like, I mean, I've had a couple of times where, I've tried being nice, so I've tried like, hey, nice to meet you, but I really don't want to talk right now, like that, you know, and and then still, still talking and talking and talking, and I've had to look at some people and be like, hey, I am not interested in talking to you right now, please go away. Yeah. And one time that didn't even work, and it wasn't uh, physically aggressive, so I didn't feel necessarily assaulted in that situation, right. but it was really uncomfortable, and I have been really uncomfortable a lot by strangers talking to me, and I know that that's a shared experience for a lot of people, and so while I want to, the first part of me wants to be like, I want to be more courageous too in talking to people that I might have a connection with or might be attracted to, yeah. in, in even if they're a stranger, and so I really want to, I, I do affirm all that we've said, but um, I guess... The answer to this is be be self-aware and, and reflective. And if you're at the point where you're articulating the question the way that this person wrote in, then you're probably doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. And two things I would say. One, this is a good conversation, good segue to talk about consent. Because mm. whether you're talking about picking someone up or whatever, or you're already dating, kind of bumping things up a little um, further along the chain or what have you, um, you got to think of where are you starting from? Are you starting from what I want or what that other person wants? Because if you're starting from, I want to go out with this person. I think they're hot. I'm interested in them. I want them to know that I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, oh, nope, not interested. And you're like, but you're not hearing me. I'm interested in you. Like, one of the reasons that that derails is that that person has got their own intent in mind uh -huh. and isn't at all interested. So when you're saying, you know, please stop talking to me, if that person isn't really thinking about you, they're thinking of yeah. what I want, then they're going to keep talking because yeah. it's like, that's not what we're talking about here. It's like, I'm interested in you. I want to date you. Like, I don't know what you're saying with this whole stop talking to me. I'm just going to keep talking. So you realize that yeah. I am interested in you. So it's like, that's the first thing is like breaking up those two things. Yeah. Where are you starting the conversation and whose intent are you looking at? Uh -huh. And if you don't have the other person's consent to be part of that, and back the fuck off. Like and that. I couldn't even say no. It wasn't even like I was given the opportunity to say yes. Or I love the person who wrote in and said, say like, hey, I'd be really into flirting with you right now. Would that be okay? Yeah. That's really charming and awesome and gives That's the opportunity cute. for enthusiastic yeah. consent. Or I feel like even, I feel like I've appreciated it even when somebody is like, I mean, um, 
even checks in, like, hey, um, um, I'm blanking right now, but um, I would, I, I'd, I'd like to talk to you. That's that's a lame way of saying it, but um, yeah, so but to say, like, is is it okay if I ask you what book you're reading? Yeah, or just kind of like, oh, that book looks interesting. Like, oh, we can role play. Would that be easy? And so instead of let's do it. Okay, am I okay. picking you up or are you picking me up? <laughs> Who's picking who um, up? You're both picking each other. Up. <laughs> well then. <laughs> okay. I don't so, know what book are you reading. Let's do two scenarios. We'll do one scenario where you're picking me up. And I'm interested. And okay. another scenario where you're picking me up and I'm not interested. And feel free to be as aggressive as you want. Can I just change directions? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Oh, good. Okay. I'm really, okay. I'm really okay. Do it. Here we go. Lights up. Crowded New York coffee shop. Tuana sits at a table. <laughs> reading. <laughs> Stephanie comes in, <laughs> makes a weird expression over in her direction, and approaches with her cup of, what are you drinking? Earl Grey tea. Oh, it's caffeinated. Decaf Earl Grey tea. <laughs> they approach. They lock eyes. They begin to speak. Hey, uh, what book are you reading? Hey, I'm reading uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, is it okay if I ask you more about that? That sounds really interesting. Sure. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, <laughs> I am. You know, it's one of those books, you know, everyone reads, and I'd never read it, so I thought I'll go to a coffee shop and read it in public so that I can look like I'm reading all the books that everyone reads. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to have a drink with me later tonight? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Smash cut the fucking. Huh? Yeah. That looks like a wow, wow. <laughs> All right, here we go. Situation okay. two. Scene two. Lights up. Same crowded coffee shop. Uh, Tawana sits reading. Stephanie walks in. Decaffed. Uh, Decaffed. Uh, English breakfast. And approaches. They lock eyes. They begin to speak. Hey, what book are you reading? How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, okay. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> Much I am skilled at picking up on social cues. <laughs> Different tone of voice, looked away from her immediately, yeah. all kinds of nonverbal cues, because lack of consent does not mean verbally saying the word no. It also can, like, nonverbally, I'm not making eye contact with you, my tone of voice is different. Like, uh-huh. you can uh, show that you're not interested without actually saying the word no, don't speak to me, too. Like, but yeah. I've learned from popular culture that women want to be pursued and that they oh. know they want to. Oh. And oh, that saying no is just playing coy. Oh. And I'm supposed to... Oh, vomit as we talk about more interesting things. How do we fight against this social... this These social cues that much of media is sending to men that no is is a is a, is a fun way of saying yes? Is it just having these conversations? I think it really fundamentally is. Okay. And I think that it's um, making an active practice of enthusiastic consent, even in conversation. Yeah. That doesn't mean always walking on eggshells. You can, in a flirty way, say, like, that sounds interesting. Can I, can I ask you more about that? Yeah. Or I'd, uh, but I feel like I, it, while it is, it is true that, that some people find being pursued hot, and even I do at times, and I feel like... Um, but not without any checking in along the way. Like, I, I do think, it's, yeah, that's, okay. that's my two cents. Okay. Is, is, that, you, you, is, is there, what else, I mean, should, is, what else should we do to fight against this idea? Yeah, I love conversations like this because this is how this really truly starts, is that when we like, can talk about things in the open, and I, this is why I write about the things that I do, and this mm-hmm. is why you're doing this podcast, I assume, too, mm-hmm. it's that like when we have these conversations, this is part of the solution. It's like we're doing these things to kind of move the needle in another direction, you know, so there's uh-huh. that. 
And the other thing is that everything's contextual, you know? So it's like, it's looking at that specific situation mm -hmm. too, you know? Mm -hmm. And seeing kind of like what's going on in that space with those people at that time. Because it's not the case that like everything always works with the same person all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Or that this person wants this and therefore the next person I go out with, I can hit on them the same way and then that's going to work. And it's like, well, dude, I read all these books that told me to do this and I did it with one chick and it worked. And I'm doing yeah, another I'm one and it's not. What's fuck? How am I supposed to know what to do? You know? And it's, I feel like it leaves a lot of people feeling reeling of like... There are, okay, so there are no rules, then, like, how the hell am I supposed to get laid when it comes down to the, like, how do I know, like, who's enemy and how do I get laid? Right. You know, and these are mm -hmm. worthwhile, legitimate, important questions. And so paying attention to the context, looking at what the person who is the target of your interest is feeding back to you verbally and non-verbally, mm -hmm. and, you know, being your most authentic self. I think mm -hmm. that's how we go for it. And, and as a first order approximation, uh, no is not a coy way of saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, think this is a rule. Just exactly. It, it, yeah. it, it, that will be vanishingly rare, and I'm guessing they'll let you know. But um, and my other rule is for myself, but then also in, that I impart on others. If it's I don't know the question, the answer is no. Hmm. Like if I'm like, oh, you know, like do I think like yeah, don't assume yes no. if you don't. Yeah. Maybe exactly. No hesitation. Yeah. Means no. No. Just assume no if you don't have an eager, enthusiastic welcome come here yes then uh -huh. you're not quite sure assume until you're told otherwise or you're given something that it's not that it's no word uh -huh. up word. yeah, yeah totally. and so thank you again so much to everybody else who participated in this conversation but also no need to limit writing to us about crowdsource questions we're we're, we're really interested always uh hearing your voices in response to anything and everything that we talk about um but also um how exciting that uh, those of you who responded to this one, and we will continue doing crowdsource questions. Uh, our next question is directed specifically at me. Ooh. Dave. Hmm, that's that's you. <laughs> on episode four, you said that a partner cheating on someone was a deal breaker in the context of a spouse having had unprotected sex with someone else and lying about it. And yet I know from your personal story that you are into open relationships. Aren't you contradicting yourself? Dave. Yes. Aren't you contradicting yourself? No, no, really, no, really, no, no, <laughs> really, no. Um, uh, th this is, I think, a good like segue into talking about how do you define cheating? Um, and for me, uh, cheating has nothing to do with touching lips or touching tongues or putting genitals near other people's genitals or... or you turned uh, on just hearing these or, things. <laughs> well... <laughs> what can I do? It's just a voice that I have, the effect I have on people. Um, it has nothing to do um, uh, with that and entirely to do with honesty. Um, my, uh, it, had I, if my partner and I are in an agreement that, that they can go on, on business trips and, and, and make out or fuck whoever they want to fuck whenever they want to fuck, that's, that's fine. That's great. That's an agreement that we have reached together that's discussed, that's open and honest communication. It's the lack of it's the lack of forthrightness and the lack of honesty that's the deal breaker for me, not the actual contact. And just to give it, so in case you didn't hear the last the episode in which this was this came Pause up. Pause this, then go back and listen to it, and then we'll be just kidding. Go no, ahead. I would like to give a refresher course. <laughs> okay. um, that uh, it was somebody who was married and their spouse had unprotected sex with somebody else. And Without that being part of an agreement that that was okay, they were in a right. ostensibly monogamous. So I think what you're saying, Dave, is just that. It's that break of trust and not openness that that's that is a fundamental for sure. Difference. Yeah, I am totally, totally pro openness and totally, totally anti cheating. And I think that there are very different things. Um, that openness relies on a constant flow of communication and constant honesty, and cheating uh, 
uh, what defines cheating for me is um, dishonesty and um, a lack of communication. Um, yeah, what do you think? I agree with you. I agree with you. And when we think about um, orientation, often we think of sexual orientation. Are you gay or are you straight or are you bisexual? As if anything in life can be divided into three unique little groups of buckets mm. that don't flow into each other or whatever. Um, but we don't think of like, do you prefer being with one partner or multiple partners? Yeah. Do you prefer short stints of relationships that happen over a period of time? Mm-hmm. Or do you prefer one relationship that lasts over a longer period of time? Like, there are so many different ways to be in quote, quote, relationships. Because we said, what's my relationship with relationships? Yeah. Like, there's so many different ways to be in relationships with each other. And too often, we get so stuck with this idea that it has to be monogamous. If you're a boy, it has to be with a girl. And if you're doing anything other than that because that's what you enjoy, that in and of itself is somehow cheating. Yeah. Because you're having a good time and you're going to do whatever the fuck you want and you know what, damn you, that's not fair. And so I think what happens when we talk about like open relationships, even though people cognitively understand that an open relationship means that we're not monogamous in the sense that we have an understanding and a communicated agreement that we're only going to be physical with each other or no one else. And when we say physical, we mean this, mm-hmm. you know. And then so opening up being we can be different kinds of physical with different people. I can make out with this person. You can make out with that. Like, we'll talk about this, you know, or we'll welcome another person into our relationship. But we won't have sex with other people without each other present. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all kinds of different ways to do it. And I think people cognitively understand that that's possible. But I think where it gets slippery is that people feel that that's, quote, quote, cheating in life because you're getting what you want. And mm-hmm. I do believe that that's why mm-hmm. there's this, like... People aren't stupid. They understand how an open relationship works. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, but the idea that you would have that and that you'd be okay with that and your partner would be okay with that and, and, and you're having a good life, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I think that, that happens. doesn't fit neatly into my life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not fair, you know? And I think you see this. Yeah, I can't remember. And I wish I remember exactly who said it. It's not my own words. And so I pay credit to someone. I can't remember who. But this idea that if you want to get a lot of people to hate you, mm-hmm. super easy. Make money doing something you love. Like, we have this very negative way of relating to other people that, like, if you're happy and you're enjoying your life, that that somehow is, like, a bad thing. That's a good thing. If you have a partner and you've both communicated, you've both done the personal work to understand what you want, Mm -hmm. and then the personal work to be able to communicate that to another person, kudos. You know, that's fantastic. That's Mm -hmm. good. That's success. That's something we should wish for everyone to have in their lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, 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 there isn't there isn't a mold called relationship, and, and you're going to fit into it. Um, um, relationships should be defined through care and honesty by the yeah. people in them. So our next crowdsource question is: Yeah, I'm a straight guy, 27 years old, and I'm crazy about my girlfriend of two years. We have awesome chemistry, and for the most part, the sex is great. But she gets really uncomfortable when I go down on her, like she doesn't trust that I'm having fun, which I totally am. How can I help her open up to it? Oh, okay. So. So any thoughts on this from from anybody any gender identity we totally yeah, let us welcome. know we have a phone number and an email address and Indeed. carrier pigeons can find us if you just whisper the right words into the, <laughs> yeah. into their ears. and so um let us know by the first week of i think we've got to know by january 7th if you have a response to this so come on you got it you, you got, got a response it. to this Please, we, we, need, we need your wisdom. This is the thing that comes up a lot. Crowdsource question. Yeah! <laughs> All right. On to quickies. Sure. You want to go? Sure. Um, so quickies is the part where we talk about something we want to rant about or endorse or okay. just talk about quickly. And so 
I was speaking at Montclair State University the other day, and fancy, fancy, and um, we we were speaking about relationship anarchy. But what came up was talking a lot about gender identity, and I feel like I throw around the term cisgendered a lot without pausing to to uh, consider that that's not um, that's not a term that's so widely used that I can use it without qualification. Absolutely. And so um, many of you may have already encountered it. If you haven't, no worries, but I think it's really important. I want to put it in this space. Um, cisgendered is usually used in conversation when talking about uh, transgendered. And so um, it, it kind of, it was invented essentially as an alternative instead of being like normal or transgendered, which is offensive and horrible and not the case. But if we're on spectrum or a web from where one can be more towards cisgendered in that web or spectrum and or more towards transgendered on that web or spectrum that is a way of using language to um to clarify how complex gender identity is which i think most people's gender identity is more complex than maybe even they realize already or certainly more complex than is is often portrayed in mainstream culture and so um i think Cisgendered is a really important term. I, I say I'm a basically cisgendered female, which means that I feel basically at, at home, like my, my identity or who I consider myself to be does line up with the body that I have for the most part, but my gender identity is complex as well. And um, I don't know if you have things to add to that definition. I feel like it's really important to me and I... No, I, I love that they checked that and said, hey, you know, because I think so often when you're in a field, we forget that we have jargon that yeah. when you're talking to other people within the field we know exactly what you're talking about stuff like that but then we go out into the world and it's like what the heck is going on like what is what do you, when you say open relationship how does that work what do you mean when you say cisgender what's going on and so I think that it's good that you kind of like pause and it's important to name things because in naming them we make the invisible visible, if that makes any mm -hmm. sense. And so if you say, well, I, I'm not trans, I'm, I'm quote, quote, normal, I'm whatever, mm. and giving a word to that, it's saying, we all have some gender, here's yours, yep. <laughs> here's that. And we like all have that. gender identity. It's exactly. Not, and I think the first caller said, um, I'm usually around cis males. Yeah. Um, and that's so often it's used as like a shorthand CIS. Exactly. Um, cis male or cis female. Yeah. And words change over time as they always have. Language lives and grows and yeah. differs and everything does. I'm a strict language constructionist and that's why I only speak in Old English. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? What? Who's uh, next? Yeah, I want to talk about uh, an article that came out in The Atlantic or on The Atlantic. I don't know if it's actually in print, print the hell, um, but it's something online, um, which... Whoa, agrees with my position on the movie Love Actually, which is maybe my least favorite movie of all time. Oh, too. Um, and the article is entitled um, Love Actually is the Least Romantic Movie Ever Made. And I totally agree. Guys, this movie, it's okay if you like it, but you have to recognize that it's bad. <laughs> you can like things that are bad, but it's bad for the world. And there are two particular things that are really bad about it. One is, I'm going to spoil this movie you're welcome. There's the, the, the part that, okay, we'll just do one because we're running out of time, but the, the one that really bothers me is there's, there's a guy who is uh, in love with his best friend's new wife. He doesn't really know her because he's so in love with her that he hasn't spoken to her because he's so in love with her so he can't talk to her. I'm going to keep playing this over and over again. So they're married and he's so upset because he never got to confess his love to his best friend's wife. That he's never talked to! He's never talked to. He yeah. goes over to her house on Christmas Eve, plays a fake, um, Christmas Carol and a sign's written so that she opens the door and it says, 
tell your husband you're just watching carolers. So he's going over to his best friend's house, having his best friend's wife lie to him about what's happening, and then confesses his love. And this is played as a, gra- as a grand romantic gesture, and not a crushingly selfish fuckhead move yeah. by this guy who, who is uh, uh, introducing infidelity yeah. into a relationship and, and declaring love for a human being that he doesn't know. She's very pretty. It's Kira Knightley. Look, I love her too. But, but, um, and I will go to her house with signs. <laughs> um, but that's really, no, I won't because I'm not a creep and that's really a bad thing and it's not romantic and, and, um, and, and it's really upsetting. What I love about this article, though, is it calls it calls that out, or that it just makes it seem like love is especially meaningful when it's just like easy and thoughtless and yeah. not considered, and and that the relationships that do take work are either not portrayed or kind of left left to rot on the side of the road. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a movie that I think is the most cynical. The, the most cynical take on romantic love that I've seen in I cinema. I totally agree. Um, yeah. and, um, and it's okay if you like it. But, but it's Check bad. out this article. Check out this article. <laughs> By Christopher Orr in The Atlantic. Yeah. Awesome. Mine is similar to that. I'm on my period. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if we're talking quickies, just random thing. It's like, it's uh, one of the things I'm always interested and excited about is when I do like lectures or things like that. It's like trying to leave the group with something they didn't know before. Yeah. You know, kind of like that. And so one of the things that I would encourage you all, because we don't have the time to go into all of it, is that uh, whether you have periods or whether you ejaculate or whatever you, is going on with your body, um, take some time actually reading up on it. You know, like mm. what is in sperm? Like what are the contents of sperm if you're ejaculating? Mm-hmm. If you're in your period, how do cycles actually work? You know, or if you're dating someone who does have a period or you're in a relationship with someone, do the same thing too. Mm. And just try to get to know more about your sexual and reproductive organs because so much of like what we talk about of health mm-hmm. just leaves this huge blind spot when it has anything to do with sexual and reproductive mm-hmm. health. And so people will, grown adults will tell you that babies are in mama's belly as if stomachs somehow, yeah. Is that, that not true? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, this is what we're taught. We're taught things like babies mm-hmm. come from stores and all this crazy shit. And so I would say, I guess my parting quickie is that like, spend some time getting to know your sexual and reproductive organs and how they work. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yay. Yay. just about it for this episode but before we wrap this one up I wanted to share this email exchange that I had with one of our listeners because I think that there may be other people for whom this information is useful someone wrote in to us I thought maybe you would have a recommendation for a healing sex trauma audio tape or healing affirmations and Dave and I didn't know of any off the top of our heads but we recognize that we need to learn more about that. And I reached out to my very wise friend, Maggie Cohen of MaggieCohenYoga.com. And Maggie is a yoga teacher and she works with the Breathe Network, which is an organization that connects survivors of sexual violence and trauma to informed practitioners. And Maggie wrote back right away saying that there is this DVD that just came out in the past year from the folks that trained her in trauma-sensitive yoga 
and the link is www.traumacenter.org slash product slash yoga underscore DVD. And we'll post that link on our Facebook page and on Twitter, of course. And Maggie also wrote, in terms of affirmations, I don't know of any specifically for trauma, but I use Louise Hay power thought cards often in my classes. Example, the past is over and done and has no power over me. I can begin to be free in this moment. Today's thoughts create my future. I am in charge. I now take my own power back. I am safe and I am free. And so uh, thank you again to Maggie for writing that in. I think she's doing amazing work. And learn more about her at maggiecohenyoga.com. And so... Thank you so much again to Twana Hines and to Owen O'Malley, our awesome mix engineer, and to all of you for being in conversation with us. And on our next episode, we have Dr. Michael Aaron, PhD. He is a psychotherapist, sexologist, and certified sex therapist, and he specializes in working with sexual minorities, sexual anxieties and dysfunctions, gender and orientation confusion, and sexual compulsivity, as well as working with adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And his research interests, which I love, include the connection between sexuality and aggression, power dynamics within relationships and society, and the intersection of sexuality and spirituality. So, as again, our only regret is that we only have uh, an hour with Dr. Michael Aaron, but it's going to be a good one. So we hope you'll join us next time. Please, as always, be in touch with us. Call us, write to us, find us on Facebook and Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. We're so, so grateful, as always, to be in conversation with you. And I hope that 2014 is off to a wonderful start for you. Bye for now. Like Funky brown food. chick is the sexiest. <laughs> Eddie Vedder is the sexiest. Ooh. And throwback to something that Twana said earlier, being the best you is the sexiest. Absolutely. Okay, bye. Bye.